0: So now um, we have in the house a man with a Ph.D., um, a professor at Booth College, very smart guy. You may recognize him. He was just up here. Uh, (laughs) David Sweer grew up in, I have to think now, Manitoba. He's a Manitoba boy. And his wife, Tricia, is a Kansas City girl. So they met at the Lakeland Revival in Florida. If you've never heard of the Lakeland Revival, you should ask them about it. It was really cool. And uh, they also spent a couple years in California at Bethel Church in Reading, doing the School of Supernatural Ministries. So this guy, he's got a lot of knowledge up here, but he's got a lot of of heart, too. He loves the presence of God. We're very excited to have you, David, and we welcome you with open arms to bring the word. So bless this man, Jesus, fill him, speak through him.
1: Thank you. How is everyone? <laughs> awesome. Well, Trisha and I planted a church a few years ago, and uh, so I was a pastor at one point in my life before I came here. Now I'm uh, a professor at Booth. And the reason I'm saying that is because when you're planting a church, you have to do everything essentially on a given Sunday. So believe it or not, when Pastor Duane asked me to lead worship and then preach, I was like, yeah, that's just how it was when we planted a church. So why not? I'm right in my comfort zone. So good times. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, can I get the PowerPoint up here? So I'm really excited if you guys have it. Yeah. Yeah. If not, that's okay. I'm super excited to be here today. And uh, part of the reason I'm excited is because I'm going to be sharing a message with you guys that literally transformed my life. And I am not exaggerating. So whenever the Lord tells me to speak this message, I get excited because it's so impacted me. And I'm not like, if I have time, I'm going to tell you the story, at least a little version of it at the end of the message To explain how it impacted my life, but in all honesty, if you get a hold of this, I guarantee you—I guarantee you, without a shadow of doubt—it'll literally transform your life. And I I say that with complete confidence, and I know personally because I did with my my own life. Now, if for those of you who've been here uh, this summer, Pastor Dwayne's been doing a series on Jesus said. How many of you know that? Awesome. So what's really neat about this message is is when I was praying about what to speak here, the Lord already told me that he wanted me to speak this message. And then when I was talking to Pastor Dwayne, he's like, oh, by the way, I'm doing this series on Jesus said. Um, Would you be willing to do a message in that genre? I'm like, that's perfect. I was already planning to. This is great. So we're on the same page here. Now, what I wanted to say before I get into this is that I use a lot of scripture. I don't know why, that's just how I do it. And some people like that, maybe some don't. But um, the reason I'm mentioning that is I know some people like to take notes and take down the scriptures, but sometimes there's so many that, that you might just be like, ah, what, what the heck, slow down. So if you're that person and you don't want to be stressed out taking notes, um, I have our website, we actually have a website, lifeinthespirit.org. You can contact us and we'll send you the, the message notes. We also have our own teachings, Trish and I, up there and stuff if you're interested. But anyway, without further ado... Cause, 'Cause I set this up already such that you're like, what scripture are you going to talk about today? I'm going to keep you in suspense a little bit longer. The reason is because before I get into the scripture that transformed my life that I want to spend some time on, I want to give you a scripture that if you believe this and you get a hold of it, this scripture will transform your life. And I want to start this message with this particular scripture, because how many of you know God's word is full of promises thousands upon thousands of promises and in peter it says no matter how many promises he made they're all yes actually sorry second corinthians 1.20. no matter how many promises he made they're all yes in christ i'm just pausing for effect think about what that's saying okay so we know there's like thousands of promises right thousands countless everything we need for life and godliness are covered in the bible and that's what it said in peter okay and what this is saying what this verse is saying is every single promise in the word and that god gives to you personally the answer is yes in christ so, what that means, practically, is if you can find a promise in the Scripture, okay, whatever it might be, maybe it's that God's, it's God's will to heal you. What, what can I base that off of? I can base that off a lot of Scriptures, but one, for instance, in Isaiah 53, where it says that by Christ's stripes we are healed. It's part of the atonement. Okay, so, when you approach the Lord, say you need healing... How many of you know, according to this verse, that the answer is yes? Is that not what it says? Now, if we believe the Bible, that's what it says. All of God's promises are yes. It's not maybe. It's not, I'll think about it. It's yes in Christ. Okay. Now, I want to say this, that it's, so it's not a matter of if he's going to answer, it's a matter maybe of when. So, there's sometimes a time element, that's for sure. But according to this, all of his promises are yes. Okay? And I I wanted to start off with that because I'm going to be sharing some promises, some scriptures with you today that, in all honesty, are unbelievable. Like, I mean, if, (laughs) I don't want to say unbelievable because we're required to believe them, but in some sense, it's like when you read them, they're very hard to believe because they're so extravagant. It's almost like, how can that be true? But most of the promises I'm going to share today are actually Jesus Christ Himself promising them. How many even you know Jesus is the personification of truth? Okay, He's the Son of God. It says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is truth personified. He doesn't lie, does He? Okay, so... So, one of the reasons I like sharing so many scriptures is because you can bank on them. The ones I'm going to share with you today, you can take this one scripture and say they're all yes. You don't have to waver in your faith wondering if God's going to answer them, it's yes. Now, I want to emphasize the second part. So, through him, the amen is spoken by us. We have a part to play. Okay. What's our part? Coming into agreement with those promises and actually saying, yes, let them be done. Actually praying them. Actually declaring them. Actually believing God that His Word is true. So we actually have to come into agreement with His promises. And if we do that, yes. All of them. Okay? All of them. So, with that being said, how about this? This, this may be an experiment because I don't know you guys well. But I'm going to say this because I'm going to say this throughout the the message and if you want, you can participate. No limits. Why don't you repeat that after me? No limits. There are no limits in Christ. No limits. In fact, in Mark 9.23, Jesus said that everything is possible for him who believes. Everything is possible everything not some things every this is jesus saying this right so but now the thing is we got to believe that's our part right it says for them for him who believes but the point is everything no limits all right so how many of you would be excited if jesus christ himself appeared to you and taught you how to pray <laughs> just a few of you Oh, come on. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it goes without saying. The scripture I'm going to share with you today, the reason I like it is because it's one of Jesus' main teachings, how to pray. In fact, it's an answer to one of his disciples' questions, Jesus, can you please teach us how to pray? And what I love about it is Jesus actually answers him and goes into like 13 verses, giving us crazy amazing keys that are crucial to getting answered prayer, okay? So that's, this is the main scripture that changed my life that I want to focus on today is Luke 11 verses 1 through 13, okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go over it quickly and then go hit on some points in more depth, okay, to build some faith. So, This is Luke 11, 1-13. I'm just going to go verse by verse. This is in verse 1. This is what I just mentioned. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So that's what I was mentioning. Then Jesus answers and actually gives him a long teaching about prayer. Now, one thing I'm going to skip over for the sake of time is that verses 2-4, through he gives the Lord's Prayer. Now, we all probably know the Lord's Prayer. So I'm not going to emphasize that today. Now, the Lord's Prayer is awesome, I don't want to downplay it, but the reason I'm not emphasizing it is because, unfortunately, it seems that sometimes we can read the Lord's Prayer and kind of stop there, hypothetically, like stop there and, and not, not continue reading such that Jesus is actually continuing his teaching on prayer. Okay, so what he says after the Lord's Prayer is what I want to hit on, because In some ways, I feel like it gets neglected, maybe, okay? So, I want to skip then to verse 5. So, Jesus gives the uh, Lord's Prayer, and the Lord's Prayer is really a template of what to pray. He gives us sort of some foundational keys as to, like, this is the kinds of things you should pray about. The rest, afterwards, is telling us how we should pray, okay? Okay? How we should pray, and I'll I'll clarify that more in a minute. But he goes into this interesting parable. Okay, Jesus' parables are not, even though sometimes they seem random and hard to understand, this is not random. Okay, Jesus is continuing his teaching on how to pray, he's still answering his disciples. Okay, so what he says in verse 5 Jesus said to him, Suppose you have a friend. And you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey's come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me, the door's already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. The guy's sleeping and his family's sleeping. And he's like, What are you doing? Come, I'm not going to get up and give you bread. What are you doing? Like, this is crazy. Now, look at this. (laughs) This part of it is what, this part of it, usually whenever I read this, blows my mind, even still, even all these years later. This is, look at what Jesus says. Okay, verse 8 I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, look at this, yet because of your shameless audacity, He'll surely get up and give you as much as you need. (laughs) Okay. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who obviously knows how to pray, what's He saying here? He's saying, Jesus is saying this, you need to be shamelessly audacious in prayer. Okay. I'm... (laughs) Jesus is saying this. Okay, so this is why this is important. Jesus, in out of all of the universe of things he could have said in answer to response of "Teach us how to pray," this is one of the main things he says: is you need to be shamelessly audacious in prayer as a key to get answered prayer. Now I'm highlighting that because I, I'm I'm I'm. Uh, I try not to make generalizations, but I'm going to right now. In our culture, when I say our culture, that's, that's what I mean. It's pretty general. So this isn't true of everyone. This isn't true of this church. But in general, historically, in the Western church anyway, what does prayer look like? It usually looks like bowing your head, right? Yeah. Silence, praying in your mind. Now that's totally cool. I'm not trying to mock that, because that's great. That's a form of prayer. But, in my estimation, that is not shamelessly audacious prayer, is it? What's shamelessly audacious prayer? Going to your friend's house in the middle of the night, waking up his entire family. Okay, and at that time, the animals slept with them. So he woke up their entire family family, their animals to ask for bread. And the guy's like, what are you doing? Like that's what he you can hear. He's like, it's the middle of the night. I'm not going to give you bread. What do you like? Why are you doing this to me? But, <laughs> but look, what, Jesus commends it and considers it a virtue and says, look, you're going to, you, if you are shamelessly audacious, like that guy who woke up that family for bread, you're going to get what you asked for. You need to be shamelessly audacious, Jesus says, because if you are, you're going to get everything you ask for. Shameless audacity. How many of you have noticed, like, some of those evangelists, those, those amazing evangelists are kind of crazy. <laughs> In a good way. Good crazy. But crazy. You look at, like, God's generals, if you ever read those books or the, like, historical figures that we all know. Pretty Crazy. You know, I'm thinking of Smith Wigglesworth or some of the contemporary people. Yeah? <laughs> Todd White. Todd Todd Bentley. I don't know if, they, if, if if he's okay to mention these days, but Todd Bentley. All these guys, what do they have in common? They're crazy. They'll just go and, like, prophesy to gang members and, you know, whoever. You know, Todd Bentley went to Pakistan intentionally recently. This is, like, two years ago, I guess, now, or not quite. Went to the most... The city that's known for the most persecution against Christians. It's one of the top ten in the entire world. He goes there. He gives gives a... a, uh, uh, He does one of those tent things. What do you call them? Crusades. Thank you. Revival. Whatever. Crusades. Hundreds of thousands of Muslims show up. This made national news. You can see the video on YouTube. Raised four people from the dead on the stage in front of hundreds of thousands of people. How many of you know, uh, how many people got, got saved as a result of that? Countless. Countless. They saw the power of God in demonstration. My goodness, that is shameless audacity. If I, <laughs> would I do that? I don't know, man. If God told me to, yeah, but geez. How many of you would be like intimidated to do that? Yeah, but ta- people like that, that's why they see the fruit. Because they're shamelessly audacious, like Jesus tells us to be. Okay. Now, I'm going to let that hang there because Jesus goes on. This isn't it. He continues on His, his uh, response to how to pray. So this is 9 through 10. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. For everyone who asks, receives. Those who seek, find, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Okay, I'm going to pause because I want you to notice something that I think often gets overlooked. I know because I, before I noticed this, I suppose it, this happened to me. How many of you have ever read this and are, were just kind of like, oh, that's nice, and then you just keep reading you don't really think about it? Jesus is saying... For all intents and purposes, there are three keys to prayer. Notice these are three absolutely different things that are crucial for answered prayer, according to Jesus. Okay, these aren't the same thing. They're totally different things. That's what I want to emphasize. They're totally different things. <laughs> okay? So you need to ask. Now, now I think most of us probably got that. Because it's like, yeah, we usually think of asking as synonymous with faith, don't we? It's like, yeah, you ask God for things, right. But that's not all you have to do. If you want to get answered prayer, you have to also seek God. And you have to knock. And then Jesus repeats it. There's a reason he repeats it twice. Whenever you see repetition in the Bible like that, back then, this would have been an Aramaic, but, but the Hebrews especially... If they wanted, that was their way of how these days we would, we would bold, underline, exclamation mark. Because they didn't have that punctuation. The way they exclamated things was by repetition. It's just like in Matthew 7 when Jesus says, Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Except those who do the will of my Father. Why did he say Lord twice? Because he was emphasizing they really thought that he was their Lord. They're like, Lord! Like, exclamation mark. So, why am I saying this? Jesus is repeating it to get it through our thick skulls. You need to ask, you need to seek, you need to knock, if you do, answered prayer. Bam. (laughs) I don't think Jesus said bam. But you never know, maybe he did. It's not in the Bible, though. Okay. So, Another thing I want to mention before I go on is these are active verbs. In fact, if you read the Amplified Version, you see this. It's just awkward in English, so the translations don't usually say it this way. But how this really is read in the Greek is ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. Continue. It's not just one time. It's continue. Okay, That's an important thing to note. Now, because this is so important in my estimation and, and according to Jesus and how to get answered prayer, what I want to do is just... Go in a little more detail in each one of these three dimensions. Okay, to hit them home. To show you, like, throughout Scripture, this is the case. Okay, this isn't just like a one-off thing. This is the, all of these are important. So what I'm going to do first is talk about asking. Now, like I said, we all know what asking is. This isn't a mystery. But what I want to do is continue on my vein of no limits. Jesus himself gave some ridiculously crazy, amazing promises. Now, when I say ridiculously crazy, I mean them in the most positive sense that there is. And you're going to see what I mean. These are the ones that you read and you're like, you don't even, it's hard to believe them because Jesus is saying this. So it's like, well, it must be true technically. <laughs> okay. But I'm trying to build faith here because I want you to see, not only see this, that asking is crucial, but the, if, you, if you could go to God and say, look, first, or 2 Corinthians 1.20, you say, no matter how many promises you made, they're all yes in Christ. All of these promises are true. They're all yes. You don't have to waver in that. Okay. So, I'm, like I said, I, I like to use a lot of Scripture, so I'm going to. The first one I'm going to talk about, I love this one. This is crazy. John 14, 1-14. This is Jesus Christ talking. Okay, look at this. Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father. By the way, I'm reading from the NIV. Some of, you, some of your translations may be slightly different, but I, just so you know, if you're like, what version is it? NIV? Okay. Believe me when I say to you that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. At least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. He's talking about the miracles. Verily, truly, I tell you, look at this. Whoever believes it in me. How many of you are whoever believes? How many of you? Whoever believes in me. Whoever believes in me. Whoever believe, How? Yeah? This is applicable to all of you. This isn't like you can't say, oh, that was just for the apostles. Or Whoever believes in me. Okay? <laughs> will do the works I've been doing. Whoa, that's pretty crazy, right? Like, if he just stopped there, he'd be like, wow, I'm going to walk in water, I'm going to speak to storms, they're going to stop, I'm going to feed 5,000 people, multiply bread. But he doesn't stop there. This is why this is crazy. He says, and they will do even greater things than these. Jesus is saying this. Whoa. Whoever believes in me, this is all, like all of you who believe in Jesus, will do even greater works than Jesus Christ did. Okay. Like, what do you do with that? You either believe it or you don't. And that's what you do. You either believe it or you don't. Because Jesus said it, so it must be true, right? But look, okay, so I'm going to move on here because that's not even my point. He says, because I'm going to the Father. Then he says, look at this, and I'll do whatever... You ask in my name. Whatever. Does he say some things? Some things maybe I'll do them if you're lucky. (laughs) And you've been a good boy or girl and checking my list twice. No. Whatever. You ask for in my name. That's the key. The authority of Christ. I'll do it. Just like all of his promises are yes in Christ. Whatever you ask. Okay. Okay. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. There's a purpose of of, of answered prayer, and that's to glorify the Father. Okay? He says that multiple times, and I'll show you other times. You may ask me for what? Anything. No qualifications. No like, oh, maybe if God's in a good mood, maybe He'll consider my petition. No, Jesus says you can ask for anything you want. Anything. In my name and I'll do it. Jesus is saying this, not me. (laughs) Right? You might be like, what? Are you a heretic? No, Jesus is saying you can ask for anything. Now, just take that up with the Lord if you want. I don't know. You can ask for anything and he'll do it in his name. Okay, but that's not the only time he says that. Just in case you're skeptical and you're like, hey, that's a one-off verse maybe. Look at this. I love this verse. Mark 11, 22-24. Jesus says, Have faith in God. Truly I tell you, if anyone... How many of you are anyone? <laughs> okay. Cool. So this is for you. Says to this mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea, and you don't doubt in your heart, but believes what I say will happen, it will be done for them. How many of you seen mountains move? Nice. We should hear those testimonies after. I have not. But I want to point out something. Jesus is not going small, is he? He's not like, oh, if you say to this Kleenex box, move a couple centimeters, it'll move. He's saying, if you speak to this mountain, throw yourself in the sea, it'll be done for you if you believe it. Jesus is saying this. Okay? So, it's like, wow. Wow. There's no limits, really. And that's Jesus' point. It's like, you can do anything. That's why he says in Mark 9.23, everything is possible for him who believes. That's the key here. You've got to believe it. You've got to believe it. Then he says, therefore, I tell you again, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it'll be yours. No qualifications. I'm talking about Asking. No limits. I don't see any limits. Do you? Whatever, anything, whoever, it'll be done. you got to believe, though. It's just like in Second Corinthians one twenty. You say the amen. You come into agreement. You have to come into agreement and actually say, let it be done. So you do have a part to play, but, it, but then God does the rest, right? Now, these other ones, I'll just go for the sake of time quickly because I'm I'm trying to hammer this home to build faith. Because like I said, Jesus is saying all of these things. It's not one-off verses. 1 John, actually this one's not Jesus. This one's John, sorry. This one's 1 John. I love this verse though, Five, fourteen to 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask for, we know that we will have whatever we ask him. Whatever, anything. John 15, 7-8. This is Jesus. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. Whatever you wish. Okay? Whatever you wish. No qualification. And it'll be done for you. Jesus is saying this. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Why? Why? Does Jesus answer prayer? Well, first he said to glorify the Father. Second, he's saying so that you bear fruit, so you show the world that you're my disciples. So Jesus actually wants to answer prayers extravagantly to show the world that he's amazing. That you're my disciples. The confirmation, the answers are for that purpose. And others. I'm going to show you another one in a minute. John 15, 16. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. He's talking about bearing fruit again. Fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Okay, this is the last one I'm going (laughs) to go over today. Again, Jesus saying all this. John 16, 23-24. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Verily, truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you haven't asked for anything in my name. Ask and you'll receive and your joy will be complete. Two things I want to quickly point out here. What's he saying? The reason you haven't gotten anything yet is because you haven't asked me. I'm paraphrasing. So, what's that say? We actually have to ask God. (laughs) Now, that might seem obvious, but often I think we don't ask because it's like, well, God knows what I need. It's redundant. Why ask God for things? He knows I need this, right? But Jesus is saying, look, if you don't ask, not going to get it. You have to actually ask. But look at this. Why? This is another reason why he wants to answer whatever you ask. So that your joy will be complete. So Jesus actually wants to answer prayer to make your joy complete. And it's not selfish to ask for whatever you wish, is it? Because Jesus is saying, ask for whatever you wish. It's just like Psalm 37.4. Delight yourself in the Lord and what? He'll give you the desires of your heart. Not only will he plant them, he'll grant them. Meaning he gives you them, yeah, maybe the desire to go be an evangelist, but he also grants those desires. All you need to do is delight yourself in the Lord. So whatever you wish. It's not selfish. This is Jesus saying, that's how it can be confident. It's not selfish. He actually wants you to glorify the Father to show the world that you're his disciples and that your joy be complete. So I just want to break off any sort of religious ideas that it's not okay to ask for things that you wish for. That's not true according to Jesus. It's Not true. Okay. Seeking. <laughs> seeking. What is seeking? Okay, because I made the case, three dimensions to prayer, they are three different things. What is seeking? Seeking is a crucial part of prayer. I'm going to show you a couple scriptures on this. But this is sort of my definition of what I believe scripturally seeking is. Seeking is an active pursuit Of that which you're believing God for, i.e. what you're seeking after, what you're asking God for, it's actually actively pursuing it, seeking after it, right? Okay, now the reason, like, there's no formulas, that's the thing. What does seeking look like? It can look like different things, okay? Okay? Now, but the the one common denominator between all the things it could look like is that it's the act of pursuit, and God actually is asking us to actively pursue them. So, if you look at the parable, I want to point out, I want to mention, that parable is not an arbitrary, random parable that makes no sense. Think about this. All three of these dimensions are in the parable. Okay? The guy goes seeking for bread he knocks on his friend's door and he asks for bread. That was actually an illustration of incorporating all these three dimensions and showing Jesus saying, look, these three things are required for answering. In that case, he went and sought after in the middle of the night. Now, just to give you a concrete example, for that might be more applicable to you than, than asking for bread. Say you want to um, be activated in the healing ministry. Okay? Now, maybe you've prayed for years, and yet you haven't seen anyone healed. I won't ask for a show of hands, but that's not uncommon. If it's any encouragement, a lot of the healing evangelists pray for like a thousand people before they see one healing. I could name off people. John Wimber, Todd Bentley, a bunch of people. Todd White even. They prayed for a thousand people before they saw any healing. Okay, so, so that's an illustration of the importance of going after God. But say you're in the place where you haven't seen the healing. So what do you do? Part of it, of course, is you ask God for the whatever. You can bank on the promises. God, you say, Mark 16, if I lay my hands on the sick, they'll recover. You say in Isaiah 53 that by Christ's stripes, you're healed. You commissioned us as your disciples to go heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead. Okay? All of these are promises. All of these are yes and amen. So you ask God for it. God, I want that. Okay. We already talked about asking, what's seeking? Seeking can be, maybe you read a book on divine healing. John G. Lake sermon books or something. You go to a conference on healing. You listen to sermons on healing. You ask people who have breakthrough for impartation prayer. Right? Right? These are all different ways you could seek God after that. And God honors the seeking. That's why I believe conferences are always so off the hook awesome, usually. Shouldn't say always. Usually. Have you ever wondered why? Have you ever gone to a conference like, why are so many people getting touched by the Lord here, getting healed, whatever? And on Sunday morning, it's not usually like that. Have you ever wondered why? (sighs) Exactly. Exactly. Hungry, seeking. Like, if you've ever gone to a major conference like when we met in Lakeland, thousands and thousands and th- I think it's like 10,000 people in a tent from all over the world flying to Lakeland, Florida for what? To seek after the Lord. And you, it was just a tangible presence of God. You go to places like Bethel, it's the same thing. All these people just go and move there. They sell the everything, go there. And the presence, of, is it, now it's, it's, it, there's a lot of reasons, but, but you go to a conference, it's like, man, it's off the hook. Why? Them getting on the plane, flying across the country to go to this conference is seeking, and God's answer, that's an answer to prayer. The prayer of seeking. We might not think getting on the plane is praying, but it is. Because you're seeking after something, and God honors that. and breakthrough. So it's important to actually actively pursue, to actively seek after what you're asking God for. Now I'm just going to give you two verses for the sake of time. The first one, I love this. Hebrews 11.6. One of my favorite verses. This is talking about Enoch. This is in the context of listing off the champions of faith. And, and, and he says, <laughs> talks about Enoch, how Enoch had such intimacy with the Lord that he, get caught, he got caught up with the Lord and Look at this. And with, in response to that, he says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. Which is a pretty intense statement, isn't it? Like it's a, he's saying it's impossible to please God if you don't have faith. What's faith? He answers it. This, the first part of it is obvious. You must believe God exists and that he's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. And, <laughs> what's this saying? If you don't believe God is going to reward you for seeking Him, it's impossible to please Him. That's a part of faith. It's actually impossible to please God if you don't seek Him and believe He's going to reward you for the seeking. Right? Is that not what it's saying? Impossible to please God. That's an important element of faith. And I want to mention, I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go in detail because we probably, most of us know this verse, Luke 18 I love this though. This is an illustration of it. This persistent widow. But look at, look at what I want to highlight. What, how does Jesus start this? He says, then Jesus told his to disciples this parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. That's the whole point of this parable. That you should always pray and not give up. Then he talks about this widow who goes to this unjust judge over and over and over and over and over and over and over over again. And the judge was saying no for a really long time. Then finally, look at this. Verse 4 for some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God, he wasn't even godly. Or care about what people think. Yet because of this widow, when she keeps on bothering me, I'm going to give her what she's asking for. You know what's crazy about this? Jesus is saying that's how it is in prayer with the father. Look at the next verse. <laughs> and the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice in quickly. He's better than an unjust judge. But he's using this as an illustration of what we need to do to keep praying and not give up because God's going to give you the breakthrough and he's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him like the persistent widow. So then he says, look at this. However, will the Son of Man, when he comes, second coming, will he find faith? On the earth. Now we already saw in Hebrews eleven six. This is a part of faith. But look at what Jesus is saying. Faith is going to the Father over and 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 over again until you get the breakthrough and not giving up. That's what faith is. Now there's there's a misconception that you ask God one time for something. And you shouldn't ask again because then you're not operating faith. How many of you heard that? Common teaching totally contradicts it, doesn't it? Jesus is saying, well, "Am I going to see this kind of faith where someone's going to come to the Father over and over and over and over and over and over again? Am I going to see that kind of faith?" <laughs> so Jesus is commending this persistent widow, saying, "This is important. You got to seek God. You got to earnestly seek God over and over and over again until you get the breakthrough." And think about this. Abraham, the father of our faith, 25 years before he got the breakthrough. Before God God promised him something he didn't see for 25 years. If you so <laughs> if you've been seeking God for something for 10 years, I'm sure some of you have. I have longer, 20 years. Have you reached 25 yet? Keep going. Because look at this. In Hebrews 11, the context, Jesus, not Jesus, sorry, the Bible lists all the champions of faith. Abraham, all the people. Goes through the entire Old Testament essentially, saying these are people of great faith. Twice, he says, many of them died not having seen the fulfillment of what they were seeking after. But, God Honored them in the Hall of Fame of Faith for not giving up and dying, not having seen the promises. In other words, even if you don't see the promise, it's a virtue to keep on asking God, even if you don't see it in your lifetime, God will honor your faith. And I want to say something. Jesus never condemned anybody in Scripture for having too much faith, did he? Ever. But how many times did he say you have too little faith? I don't. I don't know. Like lots, though, right? It's like Peter, you didn't walk on water. You have little faith. <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> walking on water is a big deal, I think. But Peter's like you have little. Are Jesus like you have little faith? I would rather stand before God, personally, and Him say to me, "You know what, David." You believe me for a little too much. You had a little too much faith. How many of you would like that rebuke? And that wouldn't even be a rebuke. I, I guarantee you that won't be a rebuke because Jesus is telling us to have that kind of crazy faith. Speak to this mountain. Whatever you ask is going to be done for you. Have this kind of faith. I would rather that than have the opposite rebuke where God's like, you you, you were called to this, you were supposed to do that, but you didn't believe me. You didn't have the faith and you didn't do it. Right? And so we're accountable for that. But it's a positive thing. Why? Because if we start believing God for things, they're going to happen. Right? But even if they don't, God will reward you for eternity for being faithful till the end. Last but not least, we all know this verse, probably. But often we stop before a crucial part Jeremiah 29 11 to 14. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you'll call on me and come to me and pray to me and I'll listen to you. Look at this, verse 13. You will what? Seek me and you will find me when you seek me. With all your heart, I'll be found by you, says the Lord. This is in the context of prayer. So even back then, God considered seeking with all your heart a form of prayer. Crucial form of prayer. And he promises you're going to find them if you seek him. Okay, So seeking is crucial. Now last but not least, and this, this won't take too much time. I'm realizing I'm pretty much out of time. So you might not hear my testimony. We'll see. <laughs> but I want to make sure I finish this because this is crucial. Knocking. What in the world is knocking? This is less clear scripturally, but I have an opinion on this contextually. In my opinion, knocking is the shameless audacity element right cuz he gives that parable and he says I tell you not because of friendship because of your shameless audacity you're going to get as much bread as you want cuz think about it the guy goes what knocking on the door in the middle of the night and that's what Jesus commended it was the shameless audacity element that Jesus said you're going to get as much as you want because you did that you woke the family up you were shamelessly audacious now shameless audacity can look like a lot of things it it can look crazy it can look bold. Because think about what shameless audacity It's like when you see someone doing something that's shamelessly audacious, usually it looks kind of weird. It's like, that's audacious. What are you doing? Jesus is saying that's a crucial key to answer prayer. Now, there's confidence in that, but there's a fine line between confidence and arrogance. And, I'm tr- and I don't want to promote arrogance like I'm this or that and God has to answer me. No. But there is the shameless audacity element that looks kind of crazy maybe to other people, but Jesus Christ says is a crucial part of answer prayer. Knocking. Okay, I'm going to finish this prayer and in maybe one minute give a quick story. Look, at this is how Jesus ends the prayer in Luke 11, 1-13. He says, Which of you fathers, if your sons ask for a fish, will give you a snake instead? Or ask for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Look at this. I love this. How much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Isn't it, doesn't that kind of seem out of place? It's like, out of all the things Jesus could have said in answer to how to pray, Jesus is like, ends it by saying this. It's almost like Jesus is provoking us saying, ask for the Holy Spirit and he'll be given to you. Ask for the Holy Spirit and he'll be given to you. If you know what to give good gifts, God's definitely going to give you the Holy Spirit. Right? He's, gonna, he's not going to give you something dumb or evil, like a scorpion. That's what, you know, he's going to give you what you ask for, the Holy Spirit. Quickest testimony ever. <laughs> Hopefully. Usually I go in depth in this, but I don't have time. I just want to end by saying, this changed my life when I got a hold of this. This was years ago, 2007 now. I actually started in the fall of 2006. I got a hold of this. And I was just, these kinds of things. I was like, I'm just going to go for it. Why not? It's like Jesus said to ask, seek, knock. He said, whatever you ask for in prayer will be done for you. He said, all of God's promises are yes in Christ. And I'm just going to do it. Okay? Like the persistent widow. I'm just going to go to God over and, over and over and over and over and over and over until I get the breakthrough. So I started, started praying every day. And, and I prayed for a bunch of things, but one thing that I for the purpose of this illustration is I saw promises like in 1 Corinthians 12.31 where it says he lists all the gifts of the Spirit, Paul, and then he says, eagerly desire the greater gifts. That, that word eagerly desires the same word as covet. The Bible's telling us to covet the greater gifts. That's crazy. Well, that's not crazy. It's cool. Then he, he repeats himself in 1 Corinthians 14.1. Eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you'd prophesy. So I'm like, well, he's, it's an imperative. I'm going to just do it. The Bible tells me to. So I just go to God every day. God, you say to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, I just eagerly desire and I'd list all. And, and you said that all your promises are yes in Christ and amen. And so I was just like, Because there's the shameless audacity. I was being a little bit shamelessly audacious. I was seeking God. I was going to conferences, that kind of thing. I was watching sermons and I was on it and I was asking. Three months went by. Now, I have to be clear. I don't understand God's timing. I don't. Why three months? No idea. Your guess is as good as mine. But I'll never forget it. This changed my life. The date and the time. February 2nd, 10.37 p.m. I was by myself one night in my apartment watching the Miracle Channel. The Lord speaks to me and says, open your mouth and speak. <laughs> and I knew somehow he meant tongues. Now, before that, I never prayed in tongues. I couldn't. I tried, didn't happen. And so in my mind, I'm like, but God, I don't know how to pray in tongues. And he just he ignored me <laughs> and said, open your mouth and speak. So I'm just like, okay. So I just opened my mouth and as you... Probably guess contextually, tongues just flew up. Five hour encounter that night, nonstop speaking in tongues, changed my life. whole bunch of things happened. One of the things that happened is for 45 minutes to an hour, I got interpretations and I was writing them out. And God told me a whole bunch of things during those interpretations that changed my life. One of the things He said for the purpose of this is He said, This is, He said actually several times, This is an answer to your prayer. And at one point, He said, Thank you for your diligence. Hebrews 11.6 You have to believe that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He was alluding to that verse. Woke up the next day, five hour encounter, changed my life. Never been the same. That marked my life forever to this day. Because so I was a lukewarm Christian before that. But God became so real to me that I was like, I give you everything, Lord. There's no other reason to live other than to just give it all for God. God became so real to me that I'm like, I just couldn't even deny it. I'm like, I'm just going to live for you. Whatever you want to do, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. And I meant it. God took me up on it. For the next six months, I had life-changing encounters one after another at least once a month. It was like a crazy, amazing season. Why am I telling you this? Asking, seeking, knocking. I know it works. And it'll change your life if you do what Jesus told you to do with prayer. Guarantee it. All right. so on that note, I want to do something quickly, well not quickly, would you all close your eyes, just bow your heads if you're comfortable with it, you don't have to, the reason I'm doing that is because I want to give anybody in this room an opportunity, if you've never given your life to Christ, today's your day, if you've never made the decision that you are walking with Christ, I surrender all, I give you everything, today's your day. And you know it's your day because the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. You know it's your day. Your heart might be palpitating. Oh, he's speaking about me. Or, or you might feel conviction. Or you might feel something. You don't have to feel anything to be sure. But you might be. And, and I guarantee you, if this is speaking to you, you know it's you. Or maybe you walked away for a while and are kind of not sure what your, what your standing is with the Lord. Like, maybe you're living a lukewarm life right now. And you don't, you're not even sure if you died tonight, if you go to heaven or not. I'm speaking to you too. Okay? So I'm not going to, the reason I have everyone's eyes closed, I'm not singling any of you out. I'm not going to do that because um, there's no point on, I don't want to embarrass you. I don't care if you, <laughs> it doesn't matter. This is an act of faith. It doesn't matter what it looks like, but the point is, is you're making a decisive decision. I'm going to follow Jesus. So, if that's you, not going to single you out or embarrass you, I just want you to raise your hand. If the Lord's speaking to you, thanks, ma'am, in the back. Anyone else? The Lord's speaking to you, you've never made the decision. Is there anyone else? Today's your day. Thanks, ma'am, I see your hand. Anyone else? God loves you so much. You know that song we were singing earlier. He he leaves the 99 to go after the 1. He he leaves the 99 for the 1. God is an extravagant Father and He loves you so much. Is there anyone else who wants to make that decision today? That you're making a stand. You're saying, I'm following Jesus. Just another few seconds. Okay. Like I said, I'm not singling anyone out, so I'm going to ask you all to participate. If you said that prayer, though, I want you to say this, because the Bible says if you confess Jesus as Lord, and that you believe with your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you're saved. That's in 1 Corinthians 15. Okay, so there's no formula to this. I want to be clear that you're not participating in some kind of magical formula. What you are doing, though, is you've already made the decision. But I just want to pray with you together that you're declaring Jesus as Lord Okay, with this prayer. So let's all pray together, just so that we don't single anyone out. Okay? Lord Jesus, I confess that I've been a sinner, walking in my own ways, doing my own things. But today that changes. Because you died for my sins. On the third day, you rose again and You forever live to be my Lord. I repent of my sins, and I thank You that You're faithful and just to forgive them, because You are my righteousness. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Today I'm a new creation in Christ. In Jesus' name I thank You. Amen. Let's give the Lord a round of applause. You know, this is an amazing moment. The Bible says that the angels rejoice whenever somebody comes back to the Lord. So we just want to bless every single person who raised their hand. Now, I'm not going to embarrass you. If you have any questions or anything, and you just, you, you, like, this is a new journey. This is the first day of the rest of your life. Feel free to come talk to us or talk to Pastor Duane or any of the, the leaders of this church. would love to help disciple you and to give you more of an understanding of the decision you made. I would love to do that too, if you'd like. For the rest of you, I want to give you all an opportunity. So if I can get the prayer leaders to come up. Oh, by the way, you're all welcome to leave at this point. <laughs> if you've got to go, God bless you. For the rest of you, if anyone wants prayer, I'm going to ask the prayer leaders to come up and just give you an opportunity. Maybe you're believing God for something. Maybe you're asking God something for years, and this is your opportunity to seek Him and to come into agreement with somebody who will... Pray with whatever you want, whether it's healing or anything. Breakthrough, financial, okay? Feel free to come up to one of the prayer leaders. If you gave your life to Christ, feel free to come up and talk to one of them as well if you'd like. The rest of you, God bless you. I just encourage you to seek after the Lord, to ask Him and keep on asking and don't give up and be shamelessly audacious. Thank you so much.